Welcome to The Label Podcast, a show about disability, illness and difference. I'm Lucy. And I'm Alice. And that's Don't forget, in this episode, I might swear, Lucy might cry, and you can check out details of the trigger warnings on our website. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Labelled Podcast. I am Lucy, and I'm here with my co-host, Alice. Hello, Alice. Hello, Lucy. That's Hello. me. You got my name right. Well done. Yay! <laughs> we're good. It's good going. It's very early in the. Uh, it's very. We, we're recording this on a Saturday. We don't normally do records on a Saturday, but it's very early, and my brain is not fully working yet. So it might take me a while to warm up. How have you been? Okay. Yes, it's been a long week. Yes, um, I, I do feel like I say that all the time now. Yes. Um, but it's it. it it's nice to be doing this even if it is early on a Saturday because it sort of is something that I feel uh I find weirdly relaxing even though it's also weirdly stressful me too (laughs) it's like a small child in the corner that just sits there growling at us but it is quite very very relaxed like therapy I'm Uh, glad you were right though Yes, and you you're good yes I'm good I'm good very very long week but we're, we're doing all right hanging on there. Uh, I feel like that needs to be our like catchphrase now never mind the show about disability illness and difference labeled podcast it's, it's been, been a, a long very, week. it's been a very long <laughs> week yes I think so um, um we've got an exciting guest with us this week we have very excited yes, yes so uh for those savvy uh, listeners who have looked at the title of this episode or been on our social media, you will see that this is the second part of our collaboration with the National Autistic Society, mm. um, where we talked previously with Melissa Simmons. And this week we're joined by uh, Leo. Leo, would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners? Hello, I'm Leon Capanna. I'm actually a job coach in my day job for the society, but I also review scripts for for the charity, which is why I'm actually here today. So I'm I've been around the the sort of charity sector for around ten. Or disability sector for around ten years, is though doing various things as a pro. But I've been around a lot longer than that. Excuse my haziness with details. But <laughs> nice to meet you all. How do you mean, Marcia? <laughs> um, so, as Leo said, he, one of the things that he does for the charity is script reviewing, which is why we were really excited to speak to Leo because uh, one of the things that Leo was involved in was the National Autistic Society's um, collaborative production of the amazing Netflix film, I Used to Be Famous. It, can I just say, I've seen this film. Before I even knew we were speaking to Leo, I've seen this film. And I thought it was absolutely fantastic. It did make me cry, but then everything makes me cry. It's not it's not a slight on the story or anything. <laughs> I just cry a lot. Um, 
but it was absolutely fantastic. Have you seen it, Alice? Did you have you have you got around to seeing it? Uh, I started watching the film last night. I was all prepared to sit down and watch it. Had a gin, um, and then my friend knocked on the door and was like, "Hi!" And I was like, "Hi, what are you doing here?" And she was like, "We arranged that I was going to come over." Oh. And I was like, "Oh, I completely forgot." Come okay. In. <laughs> so at the time so, of recording, Alice has not seen the film. Uh, I've but, seen about four minutes of it. Yeah, well, they, <laughs> not enough to make you cry. Um, no. But yes, Leo, it was absolutely, what a wonderful film it was. I was really impressed by the authentic representation of what it's, I mean, I, I, I'm not autistic. I don't know what it's like to be autistic, but it felt like a very authentic representation of what it is like to be autistic. Um, one, that, it... Go on. Go on. No, you go. No, that is exactly what I've been hoping. And it'd be nice to hear that other autistic people have been, that have it safe to say, and I won't go into specifics, have been saying the same thing. Yeah. So, no, it, it, they really, it, they really, the whole cast and crew really did a good job on that. So, nice to see that it's, getting such a wave of praise yeah. from autistic and non-autistic people alike. So how how did the whole Netflix thing come about? Did they approach you or did, was it the charity that said we're sending Leo or, you know? Well, it was actually the cast and crew of, uh, the crew of mm. I used to be famous themselves. Eddie, uh, Steinberg and Zach Klein, who sort of came who basically in about what was it a few years back sent it came in i got sort of of the sort of script via a person called louisa who used to be our media relations manager seriously what we had was in no particular order I reviewed the first script for uh, that uh, for them and actually had a talk. We, it's safe to say that we had been living in some interesting mm. times. <laughs> I think it was the fallout of Puppet Gate, which I have to tread a little carefully around. But uh, basically, they had this script. And they had the basic genesis from what I can remember of something that was had a lot of potential was and the the thread of what they were trying to do in making the sort of characters equal mm. uh, was actually in Fair enough. They also had to put up with me doing my impression of a fire-breathing dragon, saying, do you know what that you are letting yourselves in for? So what was your first thoughts when you read the script? It was something that, they had something there. And yeah. they had, I think it was skirting around the edges of being something it couldn't have been, and that was no malice at all for. And that's the sort of key sort of thing at the time that I hope I can give people today that there are actually good 
people in the creative industry who want to get things right over this. But they had something, Stevie had a lot of potential. It was perhaps the character of Stevie's mother, Amber, who needed to be a bit more fleshed out. But it was clear what they were trying to do, and they were just around the edges. And as the script evolved, it became much they became much more confident. So the sort of time in the final review, I oh damn it, I got a bit emotional because they got to the actual sort of edges. Though I think I reviewed around at least three sort of scripts at various point in time mm -hmm. and sort of had a final sniff over their publicity and uh, for Netflix including their trailer and they had it. They had by that point it was almost like a quick sniff over and it was clear that they understood. Yeah. So between my reviews and my sort of words of encouragement mm. it's almost uh, demanding uh, particularly in the wake of the whole uh, controversy of tragic controversy over music and seer yes where mm. people wanted a response and this film is an effective artistic beyond an effective artistic act of poetic justice. Mm -hmm. It is an effective film in its own right. And at the time they asked for help with trying to find an autistic actor, and I believe we provided pub shared publicity, their casting call. And it was good to hear that Leo Long, who is and in had come out from the block of being a really effective advocate in his own right, became that sort of actor, uh, and now and now it became Stevie, and now he's actually pushing the sort of uh, punching through the rubber ceiling mm. that can affect autistic people's ambitions as well as it had to be dead other disabled people's ambitions in such a way yes absolutely. I, think, I think it's um i think the the thing that really strikes me about the just the difference in approach between the production team behind music and the production team behind i used to be famous is the the fact that the autistic community were actually involved in kind of building this representation you know it's 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 brilliant that um there is authentic casting in um i used to be famous um but i think you know one of the things that is really important as as part of just character building is involving the community behind the scenes and i think that was the thing that was so offensive about music was how defensive the production side and Sia herself were yeah. about the decisions they'd made to dis disclude, exclude, disregard the um, the autistic community in 
a piece of writing that was not necessarily um, overtly about an autistic person, but that was very um, sort of sim symbolically seemed to be representative yes. of autism. And I think I think the point I want to make here is the fact that we have to give credit where credit's due. We, me and Alice are always talking about how representation is often largely very damaging, not just to autistic people, but the disability community in general, because people make assumptions. But I think it's very important to talk about how Netflix seemed to me to be committed to raising authentic representation on screen, which is something that we don't often get. And I think credit where credit's due, it's um it's it's something that that needs to be sort of praised and and you know well take my hat off to you netflix really to take the time and to to listen to the stories of disabled absolutely. people absolutely because although on the one hand there is a part of me that sort of goes well of course they should be doing that it's it's the most obvious and logical thing to be doing yeah. you cast if you've got an autistic character you've got a blind character you've got a character of color you cast somebody who lives that life yes um as it's that role but but people don't it's it's and i think it is it seems ridiculous but netflix are really are are themselves breaking down barriers yeah in, and that, by trying to promote that it is a very brave Absolutely. it's a very brave thing to do when you you are seemingly the only people really making an effort to do it you know the first step taking that first step of no we're going to do this properly and we're going to do it right where everybody else you may think everybody else turns around and go but why are you doing like that it costs so much more money but they're doing it right because they want to do right by their subject matter and i think that's I something I do think i do think we see it, the bbc are very good at it as well yes. um I have a I have a lot of time I have a lot of criticism for the BBC but I also have a lot of time for the BBC mm -hmm. in many ways mm -hmm. um and I think that in terms of their TV production that is also something that the BBC have have worked reasonably hard at for a while as well yes um but you know and, I think and for some behind the camera as well they do a lot of work behind the camera to get people in you know involved in the industry i know this mm. because i was one of the people who got involved in the industry yeah. because i was disabled and i know that they are committed to you know increasing representation behind the screen as well which is very important but mm. yeah i, but I, I think i was just to say i think the thing one of the really powerful things about netflix is that because they you know the the fact that they're a, a global subscription streaming service mm. you know the bbc obviously wants to make things that people want to watch yes. but they do not necessarily answer to the same profit sort of driven gods no. as the the people behind netflix and yeah. as you say it it's cut it's a bit takes courage to go no actually i think people will want to watch this yes and so we're going to make it and it's true, they do. You know, you only have to watch programs that Netflix make. So I used to be famous, brilliant film. It was like for a week, it was like number one, you know, number like trending titles on Netflix this week, um, which was really encouraging to see. And I like how they do it subtly as well. They don't make a big song and dance about it. They'll perhaps mention it in a press release, but they don't make an overly, oh, look what we're doing. Isn't it great? You know, it's not rammed down your throat when you're watching a program. 
and I that's what I kind of like because it shouldn't be this whole aren't we doing it you know you shouldn't be doing it to get your own pat on the back do you know what I mean it shouldn't be like we're doing it as a tokenistic thing we're doing it because it's the right thing to do and that's what I really like about Netflix yeah, I knew I could come in, sorry to interrupt yeah. earlier, but actually the thing is, with Netflix, it's not a one-off, we're not involved in this, but Heartbreak High is actually the new re, he runs the whole character of Queenie and my brain has gone into a bit of a zombie state, which is my curse for the more so someone will enlighten me on the actor, I think it's Chloe Hayden, uh, happy to be corrected in editorials or whatever, but actually there was some poetic justice for uh, her, she went, the actress went from going to criticising Thea to getting an award uh, as an independent woman for her right, so it's nice to see A, Netflix is doing this, and actually B, it's sort of um, that for all the stuff that is going on, there's a lot of quiet efforts, both by Netflix and by other production companies to try and redress the balance. I think it's safe to say we're quietly getting there, although actually what's been happening in the and perhaps we will come to the end of what uh, has been a sort of act of tunnel vision that was the thing about the whole sort of, of music thing we were tragic i mean you wonder if the whole uh, if Sia had played with more heads, far more heads up, con, uh, heads up play, and all. And while she may have condoled autistic people, but it's almost like people generally get have an idea, run with it, build up momentum behind it, and it doesn't. And when they come into contact, and with, let's be honest, um, a community that has its fears, it's going yeah. to sort of, it rears up. Yeah. And people get defensive, and this thing spiral out as they did with music. So it's... So when a production company, whether let's say, or whether Netflix, or dare I say, the reason I jump, which I also consulted on, mm. as well as Heartbreak High and other, and actually the documentary, I need to really strengthen up on my disability viewing gym, like <laughs> Crip Camp get it actually right it's it's great because actually it's about getting the voices it's about having that conversation between perspectives mm -hmm. which is not 
so easy, but actually having been a party to that, uh, it's actually really, really good. So, no, I mean, you, full um, credit. Go were, on. were you nervous, Leo, about, you know, before you read the script for I Used To Be Famous, were you nervous about reading it and wondering what you like, might what, find god yeah, be, what's going to happen because, like, how be, bad is it going to be because of music and because of Sears portrayal of autistic people were you nervous or you know i don't think that way it's sort of with script review i mean in this is actually where i sort of take that sort an analyst view in back Put it this way, at the time I was the Autism Access Specialist and actually won the Employee of the Year award for that. But here's the thing, when I'm sort of analysing the sort of reviews and played, it's almost a nice bit of quiet relief for me. Yes. No offence to my day job, it, it has its really interesting exploration of human people, whether employers or artistic people themselves. Yeah. But this one is actually really, effectively I'm a technic, the version of a technical match official as much as anything. Yeah. Uh, I'm sort of looking, re uh, I'm sort of analysing daughter is there anything to flag uh -huh. is there anything not to flag is where do i sort of yield to perspective because look if an autistic person themselves wrote a script i'd be having to give priority mm -hmm. more priority and equally it's about seeing it it's about that balance between stories being told, including ones that might be sort of, dare I say it, not pleasant stories yeah. and depiction, but also making sure that that depiction is sort of accurate and actually where it could be expanded on. I think the thing was um, where I used to be famous and no event to the crew who were and the Steinberg and Zach and Connie, who were brilliant people to actually responded to my feedback, really, it, it's also how to put it, and I'm just trying to find the words here, it's, it's right. about sort of finding, it, it, that finding that balance. There are stories that should be told, yeah. and I'm mean it is not and of course i want to see stories being told i want to see perspectives coming together and talking about each people talking about each other that's been going on from time immemorial mm -hmm. and it would be an echo chamber if we didn't talk about each other mm -hmm. but i but when i'm doing that script review if it's all the casting the own image over what is actually there then that's when the rub is at and that yeah. is when i mean disabled people and autistic 
he will rightly howl in anguish, yeah. howl in fear as much as anguish, yeah. and we don't want to reinforce what that's going on. I suppose as well, Leah, there's not, you know, there's nothing to be worried about until you've read it and God, this is absolutely ter- terrible, but I'm going to tell you why it's terrible, rather than going, oh my God, this is going to be awful, and then get into it and go, actually, it wasn't that bad. Um, yeah. And I think, I, I like the point that you're making there, Leah, about it's not, it's not just the fact that we're telling autistic and disabled stories, that it's, it's what stories about autism and disability that we're telling because I think that there is certainly a um that there is definitely a trope of I mean particularly with um a lot of physical disabilities you see films that time and time again show people becoming disabled and then overcoming their disability by you know doing something and it's it those are not the Although those may be the experiences of some people that people become disabled and then still work to achieve something. We had um, Dan Metcalf on, um, who is a um, previously able-bodied, now um, I think paralysed from the waist down, um, diver. Yes. And... uh, and he, He came on and he told his story and his story could very much be the story of somebody overcoming their disability but actually hearing him tell it the way he told it it was the story of somebody determined to do this diving thing because that was what he wanted to do yeah and he was going to do it regardless of what other people said and I think it's you know it's partly because he's the one going around telling that story rather than you know I can just imagine the way that somebody who did not have that lived experience of disability might see that story and tell oh, that story they'd as put inspirational. Coldplay, they'd have put Coldplay all over it, all over it, <laughs> wouldn't they? They would have, you just know. But, um, yeah, it's it's because, it, because that story, and that's what I like about this podcast, actually, we give space to people to tell their own story. So if they do want to make it sound like something inspirational, that's absolutely fine. It's their story to tell, so long as they're telling it. Do you know what I mean? It's their, mm. it's the, that, you know, everybody's got their own story and it's their story to tell. Nobody should then take that story and then make it into something that that person is not comfortable with. And I think that's one of the really interesting things about script writing yeah. is that it so often starts off as an individual story, but it does build and become such a collaborative thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, picking up on what you were talking about, Leo, is that if this is a person's story, you do have to give priority to if this is someone telling their own story, even if you think this is not my experience, this is not what I think, you know, or or how I feel that I would have reacted in this situation or um, how this should be presented. But if it is an individual's perspective of that story that they've lived themselves then you're right we should absolutely be giving that should be the thing that gets given the space yeah yeah and it's telling to note that when uh, when eddie was steinberg uh, when he was actually writing the original script it was about his <laughs> former experiences of being in a boy band so of course look <laughs> it's a sort of um the reason why I liked 
I used to be famous is because it's really about people helping each other. Absolutely. And it's the diversity of people that can help each other. What it, it this way, going the main sort of character actually goes to it goes into a sort of a disability sort of drumming drumming band and it's nice to see people including all from the autistic that actually playing their part because it's about showing where people fit into that great human landscape that is humanity let alone autistic people and disabled people it's about really it's showing where showing where things meet and merge together because of really with with script writing it will always be and writing of creative writing of any sort which is something which i won't go in do i sympathize <laughs> with myself but uh, the sort of but the problem is the sort the ch- the challenges when it sort of of dealing with the sort of pressures of the arena that we come into. Again, we we're talking about the time of the rugby league world cups, mm-hmm. plural. That's put it this way. I don't want people to be intimidated by the sort to the point of running away and and bottling things up. Mm-hmm. Because that creates its own trap, but I do want that respect shown and that under- willingness to seek out understanding yeah. that it goes in. Because whether you're autistic or any other form of wider disability, I've got tinnitus in my right ear, by the way, though I have to be respect more around death people yeah it's all about that risk or non-disabled you have to show that profound mutual risk that while telling your own story it's about heads up play and that's where sometimes and that's where the flashpoint can be it repeating my earlier point but that stands because it's about we all want to see good stories we all want to be entertained i mean in I could go into the whole disabled people having the power of the purple pound <laughs> sort of thing, but uh, we um, uh, we go to uh, we go to play, we go to uh, sort of Neymar. I mean, I would um, before this podcast, I went to see the beautiful my neighbor Totoros, and that was wonderful. Mm-hmm. But we all but. We don't want people's order what happens and it it feeling like we're laboring under a perspective that really it's not just we can't argue against this person yeah. we we disagree with this perspective, but we cannot uh, but we're feeling suffocated by mm. this perspective, mm. and that's where we we've had let's say the trouble of well-intentioned stuff like let's say rayman and that's where the trouble's at yeah 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 yeah, yeah. um yes i 
as part of my master's degree, um, I looked at the representation of um, aging and disabled men in Hollywood cinema. And I did, um, I wrote an essay about a movie called I Am Sam, which stars, oh Jesus, what's his name? <laughs> Oh, I'm gonna. I'm sorry. I'm gonna have to Google it because my, <laughs> my gonna... brain has gone. It's the guy who used to be married to Madonna. Guy Ritchie. Guy Ritchie. No, no, Sean no, Penn. No, 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 no. Oh, yes, no. Sean yeah. Penn. Thank you. Sean just Penn. Call, just call me Lucy Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, um, I wrote an essay about a movie called "I Am Sam," which stars Sean Penn as a person um, with. A, a neurodiversity it's not clear what whether it is autism whether he's got learning disability whether it's something else um who accidentally fathers a child and brings his child is you know raising his child as any responsible father would do mm -hmm. um and there are there's a lot of effort put into that film to sort of try and make it look like and there's one bit in particular where he's he's with a non-disabled person and they go for breakfast and mm -hmm. she's talking about how he can be difficult and he can be a bit awkward and you know he needs to um it that that it's hard to kind of manage his specific needs and then she sits there and orders the most ridiculous like I'll have an omelet but I only want egg whites and I don't want this and I do want this and you know, something very um, over the and top. And a coffee with stevia in it and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's, um, and I, I remember watching it at the time and thinking, I absolutely see the point you're trying to make here, but you are making it in a very... You're making a mess of it. Make, you're making really a mess. Are. <laughs> and it was really a huge part of the reason they were making such a mess of it was because that was not a story being told by a person who has actually lived and experienced neurodiversity. Yeah. It was, yeah. and it was played by Sean Penn, who's, <laughs> you know, a very good actor, but he doesn't have neurodiversity. No. He doesn't know, you know, he shouldn't be playing a neurodiverse person. Um, yeah. What I, re what I really, sorry, Alice, what I really liked about the seat the the seat the drawing the drawing scenes in i used to be famous were my favorite of all of the film i loved them because it was the like you say it was the it was a bit like different aspects of the disability community coming together and being represented so it wasn't just about autism autism was the thing that was center stage but you you got the sense that the people who were writing the film wanted to include everybody or at least have flashes of including everybody. And it actually, it actually made me want to join a drumming group. I was like, Mum, can I buy a drum? And she's like, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. Um, but I, they, and it was the level of, uh, I got a sense of like everybody understood everybody else, even though they were going through their own difficulties. You know what I mean? And that's what I really really liked about the film it was just it just it's like a warm hug you make it oh yeah it's that allyship isn't it it's yeah. what we t we talked about with melissa when she was on is yeah. just because you do not have that direct experience it is 
respecting a person enough to say this is your story I'm going to listen to it I'm going to learn from it rather than going I'm going to tell your story I'm going to tell you what you should be taking away from that story exactly and taking the power away Mm -hmm. that's that's what it is and I've said before I've said sorry Leo I've said before that you know listening to somebody and being an ally might make people uncomfortable in the first instance but it's a process you have to go through because I think I think when you want to be an ally and um, the first step is listening to people's stories but where you really do have to listen and you have to say like you have to listen and when people are saying you know like like with Melissa as a person of color I find this really difficult because of the color of my skin I think people who want to be allies, they automatically, or people who are trying to be allies, I should say, in the first instance, they automatically want to go, but I'm not like that. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? And it's not a case of the person telling you, this is my experience. They don't want the person who's listening to go, I'm not like that. I'm not like that. Because it's hard when you know if somebody is telling you their story and you sit there and you think but I'm outside you know Pete you're talking about the difficulties of your community and I'm not in your community and I bear some responsibility for the difficulties that your community is experiencing because of you know things I have participated in privileges that I have got or even just you know the sheer happenstance of the fact that you you happened to be born into you know the white community or mm-hmm. into a wealthy community um it's hard it's hard to not almost people feel guilty and that makes people defensive yes that that is that's what i was trying to say yes yeah. <laughs> well done it's saturday morning i'm very tired um but yeah people go they go well yeah but i'm not i'm not like that and we don't when you are when you are trying to be an ally, we don't want our allies going. But I'm not like that. We want it you doesn't to help go, anybody. No, no, and we're not going to shout at you because previously you've been like that. Because now you are actually wanting to sit down and listen to us, and you're making an effort to be the change that <laughs> I was going to say. Be the change you want to see in the world. But you know what I mean. You're you're making an effort to listen to our stories, and it's it's unpicking and unlearning all of the stuff that society has told you about minority groups. Have you, Leo, with your work in in script reviewing in the past, um, have you ever come across, worked with people who have, you know, brought, brought scripts to the National Autistic Society in more of a tick boxing capacity as if you've then fed back to them and they've gone, oh, well, we're going to do it our way anyway? Uh, let's say there's one certain one that I will sort of avoid mentioning. And sorry to sort of come cut across you, Alice, earlier, but actually, what you were, I think the point is, is actually it, you're saying is really we need to get disabled people in the writing room. Mm, yeah. Because look, I'm great. I'm really happy that I get the chance to review these scripts, but I mean, put it this way. And actually, you are reminding me of one thing that I did review, all of us, 
uh, know as we see it. And all of us, uh, there's a brilliant play um, and on the contrary. But mm. uh, really, it's almost like that sort of, yeah, you're doing something right. You're saying the sort of these things happen, but you're doing it in such a clunky, ham-fisted way that it's almost like it's an opportunity loss. Yeah, yeah. It's almost feels like it does more damage than it does help. Yeah, that's the thing. It almost, it, and this is the thing. There's, uh, on the whole, it tends to be a, a sort of, uh, there's a rare time where I put my foot totally down. But if I have to, then I will put it this way. And if there is something to highlight or a conception that I will, it will, it will be flagged equally if there's a limit to my knowledge as a singular autistic person, then I will flag that too, because it's sort of, um, this is the kind of thing that can happen and, and does happen. So I think we, it really, I think you you are all making some. You are both making some excellent points about allyship, about the sort of role of uh, how we get that more understated thing, and that's why I like Leo Long actually being Stevie, and actually Vince's journey into becoming a a strong ally. Mm-hmm. It's done realistically. It's done in a way that encourages getting the, both of these people not becoming the saviors of each other which is almost yeah. the thing we get yeah. sometimes yeah, yeah, yeah. but actually getting that much more subtle thing and they say autistic people don't do subtlety <laughs> well we don't have the time but we do actually <laughs> when it counts yeah believe me um, what, um, what I and like that, what, sorry Alice what I liked about um, the film film sorry is um is the fact that the 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 character he used to be a part of so i can't remember who, what his name was in the film is it vince i think i think it's vince I've said it yeah um he goes on a bit of a journey so like he 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 is introduced to the autistic character and they get on very well and you know they're, they're making a bit of headway and they're both benefiting from the friendship and then something happens in the film which sort of takes a bit of a turn and then at the end of the film he kind of realizes that actually it's been a bit of a dick <laughs> um and and it, so it, i i like the fact that it wasn't straight it's not a straightforward it's not a straightforward story of you know he met this autistic person and then everything was better um it shows that he got learning to do and he was you know as as the story progresses you see that in you know everybody makes mistakes you know us me and alice as as podcast hosts we've said things and gone about things in you know it's been a learning process for us this podcast hasn't it you know where we've gone actually that's you know different to what i thought yeah we've had both in i think i certainly have talked about times within my personal life as well where i have looked back on things i've said and done and gone 
that actually that was not very inclusive no. that was not very supportive um and i i think again haven't seen the end of the film yet no, sorry but i, I think ruined it, it for you there Dallas. <laughs> is, i think it's um i think that what that really shows is just the it's one of the most important elements of allyship is sometimes holding your hand is it's that difference between what you were talking about lucy about be, people being defensive mm-hmm. and people going i'm sorry i did the wrong thing tell me what to do that that's right yeah tell like, me what how to do, do to i fix it, it? yeah let, let me listen to your feedback rather than continuing barreling forward in my life and continuing to make the same mistake so at the time of recording this episode last night was children in need and there is a lot of talk within the disabled community about how children in need is a little bit uh what's the best what's the best term to to use um the way they go about portraying disability and disabled people to in order to get funds for the charity can can be potentially quite damaging to the portrayal of disabled people in general as a society um they uh, some there was an article somewhere that was written yesterday before the charity um, evening started and children in need responded to the claims that you know it's potentially damaging and all that. and we'll, we'll probably do an episode about this a bit further down the line it is in the pipeline somewhere it's in the back of my head um but their children in need's response was uh, basically yeah we've listened we 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 understand but we understand the issues but we're going to do it like this anyway because <laughs> we've been doing it since the 80s and it's worked so far um so yeah that's the kind of it, and this is when when we were talking about allyship there are there in my view there are ways that children need could be improved i'm not saying we have to cancel children in need don't come for me i'm not, I'm not saying that but there are ways we could improve the just wake up and pudsies at the end of your bed with <laughs> yeah. a club just like i hear you've been saying bad things about me yeah <laughs> do you want me to get do you want me to take your eye out like me um, that kind of thing <laughs> Yeah, so in my eyes, there are there are better ways that could be improved to get the, the you know support of the general public for children in need, and I completely understand why children in need exists. But it's that whole allyship thing, like you were talking about, Alice, of listening when somebody's telling you, maybe don't do it like that, <laughs> maybe do it like this. That's better, especially like when it's the people who are who who live it. I yeah. I do wonder sometimes if people in some of these huge scale organizations who are like i said barreling ahead with sort of their 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 decisions whether they would be more inclined to listen to a non-disabled person than Mm. they would to the disabled community and it does make me wonder whether they get so far away from what they're doing that you go Mm. Okay, yeah, but it's worked like this for years. Well, just because it's worked like this for years, the times have changed since the 80s. Do you know what I mean? Um, mm. I think maybe it's time for a, a, a refreshed look at it and get, you know, get voices of disabled people on the board within the charity who actually know what it's like to be a child in need in brackets. Again, that's that's what it comes back to time yeah. and time again is it's just involving yeah. the people whose stories you are telling. Absolutely. Um, yeah. 
Even if I could come in here, because what you guys are hitting on, you're talking about allyship. But there's another word that's at play, generally speaking, in the wider, in the autism and wider disability sort of communities, and that's conception. Mm. And I think that conception, and I can't really comment on children. Indeed, I was watching rugby league instead. <laughs> Uh, Leo knows is... what his priorities are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, uh, put it uh, this way. I uh, I pay my due to other charities that <laughs> have to be sort of careful. But here's the, here's the serious point, though. I'd say that one of the challenges around, around people generally is conception. And this sometimes affects, and it's safe to say, speaking generally, I want, that this can be something that crops up in my day job as a job coach, and perhaps also in script review. It's a conception of people from a particular point of view. And this is the thing, people get, sometimes what happens is that people get caught up in their own conception. And that means when it's, and that almost becomes to the point of being at risk of causing controversy immaculate. And when that, though, that compounds the problem that actually they know, maybe because they've had sort of experience from their own perspective, maybe parent or that kind of thing, that they know it all and there's nothing left to learn. Mm. And that, and let's say, and this is where I'm trying to avoid, I've got to be careful between my professional and my personal soap, but other forces come into play. We, we know about siloing and the social internet, but that we, but that conception can be sort of caught in its own echo chamber. Yeah. Mm. And I think actually what we should be really encouraging is people who recognise the limits of their own conception. Um, and it goes for all of us. We're sort of, uh, dare I say it, speaking more widely and this is where I do go into my own my veer slightly into personal capacity. We're all citizens in a democratic society. We have our own sort of views, and it's almost, but it's the convergence that it comes into. And mm. this is the thing, really, with this whole representation and depiction of the uh, autistic people or disabled people, how do we acknowledge where the things of the past? where the sort of depiction of the past got us, but also move on from them. Yeah. Because I think that's what's coming out with children in need and personally, and that's where um, perhaps in representation we have to sort of make a strong point. And while giving credit to those who see past their own conceptions, and uh, I mean... In Vincent, where I used to be famous, one of the characters that it was really nice to see grow was the character of Amber, the mother, mm -hmm. because it wasn't this all 
powerful contention of the mother being the sort of supreme champion of the universe. It was a can instead it was more uh, someone who was really trying to do the right thing of uh, uh, by her son, but perhaps inadvertently crossed the line in doing so. Who? And it was nice to see her grow into this sort of three-dimensional human being. Yeah. In the same way that Stevie was. And yeah. that how his own journey got fleshed out. Yeah. Because I think the current... Uh, what we've been up against is the sort of two-dimensional views of it. And that traps people. Because, Brendan, the whole IT crowd stereotype. It's nice to see a creative character here. Because actually, one of the uh, autistic people don't just work in IT. It almost mm -hmm. uh, they're musicians, they're sort of uh, charity sector workers. They're, uh, all, they're a survey we did in twenty, it, I think it was twenty sixteen, showed that actually there was an interest in. In all sorts of industries, including the creative industry, mm. and it's also autistic people can be creative. So it's almost about taking perspective and making sure that that doesn't become wholly writ. It maybe after a period of time, or it doesn't, and sort of seeing those conceptions less a sort of totemic things, but much more fluid. It's sort of um, more three-dimensional thing that can come into contact, that can sort of be tested and perhaps pass other perspectives. I'm not doubting that. But also sort of um, come into sort of contact and perhaps learn, uh, learn from, just as it does in every single field of society. Absolutely. Leah, can you tell us a bit about? Sorry, Alice, do you, do you want to say something before I move on? I, I was, I was just going to say you talked there about um, sort of the diversity within the autistic community, and I think, I mean, obviously the um, the I, I think the autistic community is actually in many ways very representative of the rest of the society at large. Mm -hmm. That you, it's very diverse. Anybody can be autistic, regardless of their background, their race, their, um, you know, wealth. What, and and the same. Um, obviously, you you talked there about the diversity of employment for people with um, autism. And again, I think there is absolutely this this conception that autistic people are not creative. Um, but actually with some you know the people that we have spoken to on the show who are autistic we've spoken to academics we've spoken to journalists we've spoken to uh, a musician you know we have had a variety of people with um, neurodiversity on who have got a variety of jobs and interests and personalities um you said earlier leo that in your um in your sort of other job, in your uh, other side of your life, you're a job coach for the National Autistic Society. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Well, I work for um, um, a programme funded by the Bloomfield Trust called Autism at Work. Now we provide opportunities. We're what's 
technically known as a candidate referral agency, so that's a nifty way of saying that we, instead of helping people to look for work, we actually provide opportunities ranging from internships to fully-fledged positions for autistic people to get into work. Do Google Autism at Work or look at our uh, look at the National Autistic Society website at www.autism.org.uk to find out about us. That's a shameless plug done. <laughs> but I think we're really, all the shameless plugs here. Don't worry. <laughs> brilliant, wonderful. <laughs> uh, I think it's uh, with what I do. It's sort of uh, it's not something you know what it is. Well, maybe in my subconscious. Years ago, at a job centre, uh, someone did give me uh, uh, the sort of idea, and I laughed it off at the time <laughs> about it. But it sort of brought me into real contact with the diversity of human uh, of human experience. Something that actually the script review helped me sort of appreciate too. It sort of been before I was doing script review before in various different guises, it's safe to say, but it's sort of actually what it's, I think, both have given me is a sort of that appreciation of the, the diversity of the human and the whole human spectrum and actually what we've got with the employment rate uh, of autistic people at currently with the office of the national statistics at 29 percent and and the office for um and the wider disability rate at 53.5 percent i think We've got two things come up from it. The amount of people who want to do the right thing. And we know a lot of employers uh, are um, particularly nervous about not wanting to, afraid of getting things wrong. Mm. Which read for uh, employers who want to who get things wrong, read, who are afraid of getting things wrong or not knowing where to turn, read creatives too. And it's about sort of building those bridges. I think it almost, but bridges ultimately add equals. And the thing is, really, what films like I used to be famous to, is they open up the doors. I think Leo Long really had been talking in media about stepping right punching through a barrier um and we call uh, i call it the rubber ceiling if there's any clever person who had a wonderful sort of name for it but this is our sort of version of the glass ceiling yeah. because it's softer it that can um, probably rubber can be pretty hard but it can also be bouncy yeah and this mm. is the thing it, what what you're finding is that autistic people and perhaps other disabled people are actually pushing, using a lot of energy to shoot through that thing. 
but it also, in our own thing, there's almost a trap of the divert people we sort of leave be leave behind who are also disabled. And this is the sort of thing that we see. Because I think this is the film like I used to be famous and actually the potential to show more perspectives, including those in autistic and disabled coming together, we could really see some interesting stuff to be done. That could actually mean it's easier to weave together because I don't mm. know what you think, but for our part, I think probably it sometimes we sort of, uh, I like how Stevie sort of, and just as a character is really not superpowered or the thing, no, no, but actually no. someone who's got a head for music and all the, the thing. It'd be interesting. Uh, and we've had some interesting depictions in the past during it just hints hinting at something below the surface that could come up mm. but all of this reduces resistance too mm. and that's really that sort of reducing resist resistance to seeing diverse autistic people in different places across society is key i think and it, because it, i think yeah go on sorry leo it just it opens the doors in other ways, doesn't it? If if employers watch I Used to Be Famous, it may help them feel less afraid and less sort of apprehensive about employing an autistic person in their job, you know, in, in their space. Um, and, and that's what kind of it, we're always talking about improving and increasing representation, you know, because actually it spreads across um you know across other elements of society you don't you don't just you you le- you don't learn something in a bubble if some if your challenge your perceptions are challenged you cannot help but take that elsewhere and apply it to other things and other elements of your life mm. yeah japanese proverb a frog in the world does not know the great sea and i think it frankly is about great world ensuring diversity, making sure all the different wells and actually connect up to each other and sort of, let's say there's tunnels between the wells to the Great Sea itself. Mm. And I think it's also about the diversity of autistic people out there. Look, we've got on our website, we have lots of stories from different autistic people on the spectrum. It's about autistic people saying, look, here's the thing we can do. And look, I'm 36, uh, turning into a bit of an old fossil, with, albeit still <laughs> learning new tricks. I'm always impressed by the younger people who come up because they're thinking more widely, pushing mm. themselves higher and harder in some cases, although not all, and that's not in a bad thing. Mm-hmm. In, it's almost uh, going to places as well as perhaps the sort of whether newly diagnosed or maybe the older, later diagnosed people who are coming into the arena and sort of um, are still 
doing their thing as much as any anyone else is. So it's sort of really, it's representation helps twofold. And yeah. that's, yeah. And, and no, no single representation is or experience is more legitimate or more important than another. That's, that's exactly. what it sounds like you're saying, yeah. Yeah, because I think it's, it would be, I think it would be very, very tempting to say singular experience is wholly rich. And this is something where activism, speaking personally, and heh, all of this stuff is, is um, quasi sort of gorgeous, thinking about my own little stuff. What, uh, we will see if I ever get round to that. But <laughs> this is the sort of thing. I yeah. think with, with sort of activism, we've got to tread. And sometimes a line we won't get right around being oppressors and liberators. And that means, um, on one hand, we've got non-autistic people with their own perspectives. And on the other hand, autistic people with our own sort of overarching perspectives. The problem, so when with the depiction, well, we've got to get the sort of representation right. Um, we've also got to think, how do we avoid sort of stifling things? Because I have to say, in my role, I'm not a commissar. I am not there to enforce the sole opinion of autism or disability. <laughs> I am not going to say, hello, Trovavish, com comrade, you must do, do this. Assume your place in Avadun and get to it. Mm. No, I think it, I can highlight, I can say, this is where uh, the society can support, but uh, I cannot. Uh, but I cannot enforce. I think it's about, with all of this thing, these things, it's about, um, it's about reconciling hopes and fears. And that's a brilliant yeah. thing on the production I've been on that have done that and have got the best out of it. Because it's mm. all been about seeing each other's fears in the room, sort of um, seeing it, and seeing each other's hopes too. Mm. So we don't get this, and I am getting on my side soapbox here, so sorry, National Autistic Society, <laughs> this is a bit personal. So whether in autism, in disability, or wider society, we don't have this infernal, and I'd be, if I weren't professional, I'd be swearing about this cycles, these cycles, plural, of busy, scared, driven people, pushing on busy, scared, driven people. Mm. And this is the thing that happened. I, we saw the fallout from music, and that wasn't pleasant, that was tragic. I don't like, and uh, me, it be a certain play, Public Gates, which I have to be careful about talking about, but that was tragic too. I don't want to see sort of people, whether autistic or non-autistic, feel that sort of bitter taste of a, of a line brawl on an ice hockey pitch. And sort of the, or the tragedy of the commons. This is why it's always, this is why full credit to Netflix 
retroactively getting the sort of challenge for diversity right and bringing out these perspectives. Yeah. Who, and full credit to the ones who do. And we need more people like them and actually taking further steps so we can actually get beyond, let's say, shallow conception and go into in-depth ones, sort of the three-dimensional sort of characters, the sort of places where we haven't, where we perhaps may not haven't have explored, let's say, the great grizzly veterans of the autistic world sort of <laughs> and the non-autistic ones. I note, and I could be wrong, that perhaps the a direction for conception on TV programs or that kind of thing, Heartbreak High, from what I've heard and seen, is hinting at that sort of thing. It's almost like showing and maybe other programs, in fact, uh, like perhaps uh, that are out them are actually pulling us towards that direction where we can actually talk openly, show that clash and convergence between perspectives and actually whether in autism or disability, that sort of brings us into wider human territory. Mm. So that's ultimately the end game. Yeah. No, it's uh it, it's a that's a really powerful message, Leo. I I've it's uh, it's nice to see how passionate you get when you get up on your soapbox. <laughs> no, it's been a really interesting episode and it's something that I've loved uh, talking to you about, Leo, the, the sort of inner workings of how, you know, you've advised on the script and things. And you should be so proud because the film is absolutely brilliant. And I hope you are. I hope you are proud. And, I, you know, I hope, um, I hope that this isn't the only sort of, Netflix projects you were involved with I hope they you know continue to work with you because it's you've done a fantastic job so congratulations thank you and look huge respect to all the cast and crew of um, I used to be famous as well as um, Netflix it's always they, I mean it, I'd also like to pay tribute to all the pre it, the people and organisations who have worked with the National Autistic Society in the past and who may yet come and do so with script reviewing or that kind of thing in the future. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, it's it's um, really valuable work, I think, getting people to, to involve and collaborate with organisations like the National Autistic Society. Um, Leo, can do you want to tell our listeners um, where they can find you on the internet? Is there anything else specific you would like to sort of plug before we we finish up? <laughs> but perhaps when I get my own stuff done, actually <laughs> finished and done. I mean, it's safe to say personally, I'm trying to cook up my own stuff on on the scene or or somewhere but we will uh, but we'll see what finally that all amounts to i think really but i would say seriously look up autism at, uh, at work to see whether the positions we're pushing are, are relevant to you we also have a scheme for hospitality called hb cares i would like people to spread the word about that and really if people take anything away from 
from this today, I'd say three things. One, really keep your head up. If you're sort of uh, doing a creative thing, it's easy to get your head down. I sympathize with that, but uh, do seek out where you can and really do do take that first step to come and work um, to come and work with us and other autistic people too. I'd also say um, please spread the word about um, about autism at work and ABK and all of that. But above all, I think. And I'm just trying to find the word for um, for it. I am around on LinkedIn. Probably, will uh, if I direct you to me, I will or or on the Twitter at Snake But any professional inquiries, I think it, around employment, I would probably direct you to the is uh, to my charity. And but. With me, I will. Um, hey, I'm doing my best on the whole sort of thing. Then who knows? Maybe my personal little attempt at light novels will actually turn from imagination to reality. Which look, there's the motto of the British Interplanetary Society, and it's what we're all about in disability. We're trying to turn things from imagination. And in fact, in the creative arts, uh, we're trying to turn things from imagination to create uh, reality. And we're all on the same. And at the end of the day, I don't want to be sort of, we're one big happy family because it, the reality of autism is that we can be sometimes like herding cats. <laughs> but we are to, ultimately all trying to get to a good place. Yeah. And that's and that's true where we're autistic people and in society. Let's not lose sight of that, people. Absolutely Leo, thank brilliant. you so much for joining us. Thank you. Um, if you send us the links to the things that you've mentioned, then uh, we'll make sure that those are all in our show notes for our listeners. And uh, keep us posted on your personal projects. Um, they sound very intriguing. So we'd love to sort of touch base with you again when perhaps you've started getting some stuff off the ground. Uh, if, I, if I can finally string things together with the weird and wonderful demands <laughs> and of the disability and the other worlds, then I will, um, then I will do that. But put it this way, look, all art is a journey. I'm having weird and wonderful twists and turns in my own journey, and so are everyone else. So, hey, respect your journeys. We're all, uh, and huge thanks for inviting me on the program today, and huge respect. I really enjoyed listening to you and learning a lot about the sort of theme myself, and so, just show what perspectives coming, coming together can do. Thank you, Leo. That's, yeah, that's thank really you. fine. Um, if listeners, you also enjoyed listening to the episode, you know what to do. You can leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, I always say how important it is to um, 
leave reviews on Apple Podcasts. It helps us go up on the Apple ratings chart. It helps other listeners find us. Um, you can also um, you can also rate on Spotify and, of course, share the show on social social media. Um, I think that's all for this week, Lucy. I do. I think so too. <laughs> we will see you all next time. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to The Label Podcast. If you like the show, you can rate, review and subscribe and you can follow us on social media at Labelled Pod. This episode was edited by Adam Hall. Our music was by Maisie Crunden and we'd like to thank the rest of the team involved.